loud, rude, and aggressive guitar player, me. This is Crewcast, a podcast about the most infamous band in rock history, Motley Frickin' Crew. Of course, resident crew head Jason here with you. And in person, together, got Brandon Brando. What's going on, my brother? What's up, man? It's uh, it's good to be here, actually here. This right? Nice. In unison, together. Absolutely. We're going to dive into Mick Mars. This yeah. is, and it's just something we've been talking about. This was when I first came on Crewcast. This was the topic we said, well, we got to table this. We're the most excited about this one, but we had to like it, research it. First. Now it's appropriate. Loud, rude, and aggressive guitar player, me. Mick Mars just had that birthday. So we had decided we had to dig into Mick Mars because how could we not, right? So it's mandatory. Mick Mars, uh, we're going to dig into some different things that you do and don't know about Mick Mars, possibly. Either way, we're talking about Mick fucking Mars, so get excited about it. We did touch on this in a previous episode. He didn't start out playing heavy metal. No, uh, and some of the clips we were watching, it was it was really interesting to hear you know, Nikki and, and Vince talk a little bit about his tastes in music when they met him. Right. And it, he was so much more, uh, I guess, diverse is the word, or maybe well-versed is the term, but like he was from the get-go interested Certainly in rock and roll, but in music as like a wider spectrum, he was seeing right. the whole field where uh, it was a, a much seemed like a much more well-rounded approach than the other guys. Diving back, of course, he's born back in 1955, May 4th, Terre Haute, Indiana. Grew up there, later re- relocated to uh, Huntington, Indiana with his family. And uh, he states that he was like three years old. And he saw a country show play at the fair. Skeeter Bond. Skeeter Bond, right. <laughs> and it's fun. isn't that funny that it's, uh, it's, it's the so many of these guys around Mick's age, like their first memory, they didn't have a Motley Crue. So like their first memory is a lot of times like a Skeeter Bond. <laughs> right. uh, you know, something that like does t- by today's standards seems very mild. Do you remember your first concerts? My very first, my very first concert was Leonard Skinner. Oh, well, that's pretty dope. It though. was dope. It was good. I had. Uh, I'm not sure the order of it. It was either the Beach Boys, mm-hmm. Alabama, or uh, Huey Lewis in the News, or oh. Lionel Richie. All oh, winners. That's fantastic. Yeah. I remember Alabama having the biggest impact on me, and then the and the Beach Boys. Um, Huey Lewis, it was cool, and I, I vaguely remember Lionel Richie, but I could be misremembering you're, you're all this shit. You're very into the vocals. They're, they're, excuse me, the harmonies. It's yeah. the, the Alabama harmonies, oh, yeah. the Beach Boy harmonies. They're so good. That 18-wheeler tour, man. He's the son of a truck driver. That song hit me. Up. Oh, yeah. They, they, I still cry about that sometimes. Think about that as a kid if my dad was coming home, but I digress. We jump back to Mick Mars. Uh, Mick recalled um, that... Uh, Skeeter Bond wore an out, uh, orange outfit, large Stetson hat, and played guitar and sang. And um, he said that to me that was his whole life at that point. He knew very early on in life that's what he wanted to do. You know, following that, Mars got a Elvis Presley haircut, and uh, it was his first step into becoming a rock star. I mean, if you're in, uh, uh, what's it? 51, right? So he's born in 51? Am I, is 55. Right? Excuse me, 55. So, you know, you're in the 60s in Terre Haute, Indiana, when this ha- Like, there is literally... If a guy comes to your town in the 60s, and this is nothing against our, our listeners in Indiana, yeah. but if you come to Terre Haute, Indiana in the 1960s in a orange suit and ripping country guitar solos, you're going to be the wildest thing that's ever happened there. <laughs> right. It's going to be the memorable moment for so many of those kids. <laughs> yeah, and like a lot of those guys, I, I could see him saying that though, I 
can see that makes a lot of sense because a lot of those old country cats were so well versed in jazz, and so right. is Mick, and and a lot that comes in that comes through in a lot of their playing with those little flourishes and stuff. It's yeah. not blues and it's not metal. There is just a, just a twinge. It's like uh, when they put uh, chili peppers and chocolate. Uh-huh. Where it's just like, well, this isn't necessarily spicy, <laughs> but it's got a little something to it. Yeah. That's how they, 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 that's how I feel. He got that same kind of thing that a lot of old country pickers has, where it's just a jazz flurry here and there. What song? Can you think of anything offhand? I would think most of it shined on Dr. Feelgood. Uh, you, Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. If I, or even a little bit on, uh, um, Girls, Girls, Girls. Yeah. Any of the stuff where he does, even I was going to say on, uh, uh, Kickstart My Heart, because he just does this, like, he sure. does a good job of, building tension and then a dynamic flurry where he you know that little run that he does it's not very long yeah Yeah, it's not very long and and even even um uh kickstart my heart is in like a country tuning kind of sure so it's he's he's just got these little tricks that really we were talking this is why we're so excited he makes this like his little additions to these songs make them absolutely if you listen to uh stripped down versions as i encourage people to do you can find demo versions of all these songs and then you listen to the full version you go holy shit what yeah. Nick mars does for motley crew uh, i mean they're great songs and absolutely it's how he absolutely. pulls it out but uh mix quoted as saying he had every intention of being who he is today so it's no surprise whatsoever that this is kind of how it turned out you know, one of the other things, too, is that uh, people don't necessarily maybe know the story of how they all met, but, you know, we'll just take it from Nikki Six himself. Working in this, this liquor one. store, Mick came in and asked me, you know, oh, if I was story. a musician or whatever. I said, yeah. And uh, I said I was like into Aerosmith and uh, Ted Nugent, uh, you know, Kiss, stuff like that. And it was happening back in like 1979, 78. And Mick. Mick was into like Bebop Deluxe, a bunch of weird jazz, Jeff Beck. So instantly we didn't get along. Instantly. And I think he left the store, told me to fuck off or something, you know. (laughs) Perfect. I swear to God, that's how we met. And then that night, he he goes, well, if you want to see a real guitar player, come down and see me. I'm playing this place called The Stone Pony. And he was in a band called Spiders and Cowboys. And I went in there, and he was just ripping on the guitar, doing a slide guitar solo with the mic stand and everything. Blew me away. So in 1981, put Motley Crue together. Mick comes in, and, uh, you know, he's auditions for the band. You know, we're playing together. Forgot it must have been a month. And one day, I just, like, kind of, I went, are you that guy? And he goes, I thought you were that guy. And we hated <laughs> each other when we met. But now we're, like, best friends. Uh, so much so that... Uh, We'll have to post a picture up on Instagram. Nikki Six has a McMars tattoo on one of his calves. Does he really? I didn't know. Oh that. yeah, no. it's badass, man. I'm like, I kind of want to get a McMars tattoo because really, no guitar player has. When I've thought about it in the grand scope of my music love from an early age, had more influence on me than McMars. McMars, yeah. yeah. Like the like I said, the first lick I had to learn to play. You know, most people smoke on the water, and I sat True. there with my friends forever trying to learn looks that kill. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's funny because he is not, um, even especially in that band, he's not the most visually astounding guy in no. this visual band where the drummer, I mean, you know, eventually, what tour was it where Tommy Lee had the- Girls, uh, Girls, Girls was the first with the tumble over drum set. Which is, and it's- this is not uh, taking away from the, from the musicianship of anybody else in the band because Tommy Lee's obviously a 
a phenomenal drummer. Yeah. Nikki is a phenomenal bass player and songwriter. But it, they also had the uh, kind of cognizance of their movement and everything on stage, and they would they would do more theatrical things. Where Mick kind of largely just kind of stands there like a mystery man and like rips his solo. Sure, especially now. And I understand there's a medical component to that. Yeah, but I also we'll it's into. a it's an intriguing. Um, He's, he's, it's a kind of it's an interesting tact to take in that band that actually makes him stand out because he's mm-hmm. not following the trend of the other three guys. He's like more reserved, but still he looks like he's like the sniper of the group, the guy that's like quiet and reserved. I think so because he's just you know he's just not a tall man at all. I met him mm-hmm. once. What's that? Photos up on the the crewcast's uh, social media. You guys can go check out. And but the nicest guy. The nicest what, fucking yeah, guy on right. the planet, you know, and I got to lean over like, hey, you're, you were my Jeff Beck. And he went from where it seemed because there was like a shit ton of people. This is the Red, White, and Crew Tour. Again, go look at the photo. I had a couple people too funny. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But a ton of people shipping through. There probably was like 60, 70 people for this meet and greet. And they're just sending you through in these groups to take a photo. And so we did, and I just leaned over to him. I'm sitting in front of Tommy. Vince is just over my right shoulder, mixed a little bit further, did a handshake. They're all, you know, cool as shit. And uh, I go, uh, Mick, sorry to bother you. I just wanted you to know you're my Jeff Beck. And he just, like, sat up the oh, best yeah. he could, and that smile, and he, and he just went, you don't know what that means to me. And oh, it's like, man. oh, dude, like, retelling that, like, giving me the chills. It was just... It was so badass. And but, you're, uh, if there was one guy that I had to think of, like right off the top of my head, who he reminds you of, yeah, it's to me, it's Jeff Beck. Oh, yeah, with all of it, it's uh, all of his tones and his phrasings, and and to make a guitar sound like something that is doesn't sound like a guitar. <laughs> it's it, monstrous. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of people on social media, if you go to again the Crewcast uh, Instagram, it's just Crewcast or Facebook, it's Crewcast. We're like, why are all these other people's faces blurred out? Well, I didn't know the other people. Fair and, enough. And the one person I did know was an ex-girlfriend, so I just decided I would just go ahead and admit that. So just leave Well, it Jason off. also may or may not have an extensive history with the uh, intelligence organizations. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I wasn't blurred out. So it's like me, you can see Tommy, uh, Mick, and Vince, and then there's this lady with sunglasses on next to Tommy and then myself. Everybody else is blurred out. I think they were a bunch of radio guys from the Midwest because people were asking, how did you get this photo with these radio guys? Like, we were in Las Vegas, Red, White, and Crew Tour. Stop uh, asking so many questions. Right? What happens on the crew tour stays on the crew tour. <laughs> yeah, just enjoy the crew cast, damn yes. it. Uh, but of course, uh, the, you know there had to be an antithesis. Uh, how did uh, you know Nikki, uh, Vince, and Tommy find Mick Mars? Tommy and Nikki met each other through a, a friend of theirs that they had both together, and they found me through an ad in the paper. Loud, rude, and aggressive guitar player, me. He just, and he nailed it. I mean, back in the day, there was a paper in L.A. called The Recycler. The Recycler. I mean, how many of the biggest bands in the world were assembled from The Recycler? Right. G&R, it helped too, right? Metallica. Metallica also, when they got oh, there, yeah, they found, uh, I believe it was Lars found James and, and, and Recycler. Right, because they were pretty young. They were like Very young, 18, yeah, before 18, they moved yeah. to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people forget they started down south. It's a, it's as if it's right, like exactly. They started in L.A. and it's a one. It's a publication. That you're right. Uh, uh, GNR started through the Recycler. Right, and there might be a couple. I, I think Poison did too. Would uh, make sense. Right, it's just one of those that it's like the. Uh, 
New York Times of the LA Strip, right? right. It's just a ubiquitous publication. Yeah, and not to segue because you know the impact the recycler had was because uh, Slash originally auditioned for Poison. Poison yeah. yeah, and thank goodness that didn't work out. And that's no mm, knock yes. on Poison because no, no, no. I like Poison. I think CC Deville is a perfect guitar player 100%. for Poison. Kind of worked out for GNR a little bit. I'm I just, think. I'm yeah. It's it's ice cream and barbecue sandwiches, and I'm glad that they didn't put ice cream and barbecue sandwiches. But I bo- I like both of those. I just right. don't want them mixed. Yes. Uh, but Mick Mars was the perfect fit for Motley Crue. Absolutely. And uh, you know, you just couldn't have found anything better for that band. I don't. I, we even heard that in kind of a clip before we started. I, I'm sure it's in here. I don't want to spoil it, but it's like they talk about how. All the other players at the time, not, and he even says, okay, you're not all, but yeah, everyone else was a speed demon. Everyone else yeah. was an ego kind of first guy. And it, they need, if they had had any of those guys, it would have overpowered Nikki's songs and they needed a guy just like Mick to, to just put what was needed on those songs. Yeah. Well, we'll just hear it from Nikki. The way he plays guitar is so unique compared to anybody else. I mean, everybody, in my opinion, as far as guitar players, not everybody, but most guitarists, they're playing too fast, and they're always concerned with, with showing off, and Mick uh, puts his ego in the backseat and plays good Which music. Which is hard to do. Melodic, rememberable leads and stuff. God, that, that, that's that riff, the way he plays it. Yeah. It's like, you know, I can play the riff, but it's the way he plays it. And he could play... Oh, 10 more notes inside of that, and he's choosing not to, and yeah. that restraint is really hard. Yep, he knows, and I think that comes from that brilliance of a blues background yep. of knowing when to play and when, you know. Absolutely. So, uh, anyways, of course, Mick Mars, you know, one of the things, he was uh, roughly 10 years older yeah. than the rest of the crew, so, you know, when, uh, it's one of the things they joked about in the Dirt movie, you know, while everybody's fucking off at the crew uh, apartment, sure. you know, and he's like, he already had kids at that uh-huh. point and everything else, you know, the it's just, it's interesting how he's this older dude, but we'll tell a story about how that played into potentially no Mick Mars and Motley Crue at one time, uh, but Mars dropped out of high school relocated to la to pursue his music career performing blues rock and working odd jobs he even used a stage name zarky charlemagne Which, come on i i mean you're you're like look you're lucky you that's the second best name for you my friend of all time <laughs> okay you found mick mars and we're gonna go with that now but Zar- say it one more time zarly charlemagne <laughs> yeah zarky charlemagne oh, man I zarky mean, sorry if if I ever did venture into professional wrestling, that might be the name I go with. And now coming to the ring, Zorky Charlemagne. Bing, bing. Uh, so uh, Mars also pre Motley Crew projects was called White Horse, and you also heard about Spiders and Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, the members of White Horse were described as a Motley Crew, right? Uh, which Mars kept that as a note, and then uh, around 1980, through White Horse, that stalled out. Spiders and Cowboys, everything else. And once he uh, joined the band, when they were kind of sitting and trying to name the band, you know, he threw out Motley Crue, and it was kind of cool. Which we'll touch more on a name, uh, the naming of Motley Crue a little bit right later, because there was a lot of stupid names that were thrown they, out. They really are kind of like, in, in his case at least, he's the ingredient to Motley's success that was like, oh, they're an overnight success that only took a decade. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, his that those were all necessary steps, and he had to, to take them 
first. And yeah. he had to live that out to get to where, like, well, he named himself from this and he named Motley Crue from this. And, yeah. you know, that's a, a long, a lot, much longer road than you're led to believe uh, to Motley's beginning. Absolutely. Well, and it, it's kind of the cool thing, too, about it. You just break down everybody's style, their stage persona, their presence, and, you know, as we know them. You had a blonde-haired dude up front screaming his heart out. Mm -hmm. You know, a young kid. I mean, Tommy, this this is all he's ever done for a job. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Slamming away on the drums. I mean, I've read things where people just love to go watch him record because he'll be in there playing his heart out, cracking cymbals and all this shit. You know, you had Nikki's style of writing that needed refinement, but, you know, that straight driving bass lines that he does, really playing in the pocket. And then here comes Mick, just this loud rude aggressive guitar player that really brought it all together just like it gave it that songs had balls he put the the balls he he shaved the balls and put them out on stage well think in that and i add like think about the words there's loud rude and aggressive but what are the words that aren't there that you would see in almost every other recycler ad like looking for uh, you know, virtuoso, looking for flashy, mm. looking for speed, looking for the like uh, the coolest, the right. sexiest lead guitar player. And he's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not the guy for you. I personally am loud, rude, and aggressive. Yeah, I fucking play. I play. That's basically it. So uh, anyways, let's move on to another area of this. Uh, uh, he also wrote a lot of songs that people don't realize. Mm. You know, pi- people always think of... Nikki Six yeah. as a primary writer, which he is, but Mick had a big hand in putting together Girls, 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 Dr. Feelgood, and Kickstart My Heart. Those which is like ones their, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, if you, I mean, what top five Motley Crue songs do you think of? I think of Dr. Feelgood, Kickstart, Kickstart My, My Heart, Heart Girls, Wild Girls, Side, Girls, Wild Side. Girls, 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 and um, Home Sweet Home. Yeah, I was just going to say Home Sweet Home, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, think about all of what he did for that. But, uh, yeah, Mick wrote a lot of songs um, that he did, but the age thing still did play a factor in a lot of ways. Um, Mick went on to say, uh, you know, I was 30, but I wasn't thinking like a 30-year-old. I was thinking like a teenager. I was still hungry, and I wanted to make it. I knew that since I was a kid. You know, he really saw this vision of who he was going to be from an early age, right. and I fucking admire that. Uh, to, and to bring it to fruition over this twenty-five year period, like it, it's it's one thing to think that, and then it breaks for you when you're twenty. Yeah. It's another to have to keep working uh, day jobs and stuff until you're in your thirties, and then make yeah. that happen. That's and, tough. Yeah, making in meets and, and ends meet and everything else. So uh, Mars went on to say that uh, you know they were signed by Elektra Records, and he's quoted as uh, we started recording that just a few months after we were together, as far as the initial album. Uh, too uh, fast for love. Uh, he goes on to say that uh, he doesn't think uh, I did anything special. He just did what he did, right. and that's all. Whereas people like you know, like us, that give him the kudos, he's like, oh, I just do what I do. I'm just Mick Mars. I mean, <laughs> Michelangelo said he was just painting a ceiling. You know, it's like, yeah, I know, but like, he was just, he was a guy taking a job. But right. I mean, we look at it now as one of the greatest works of art that ever was. Yeah. So it's a lot of times those guys, I don't, you, you know, if you start out to make a, make a masterpiece or to be a legend or whatever, you never get there, but it's yeah. the guys that are just like, I'm just doing my thing, man. That, yeah. that, uh, so what you're saying is everyone listening should see the Sistine Chapel and McMars play live. 
at, uh, preferably at the same time. Like, <laughs> on a, on a, I don't think the, the, the Sistine Chapel, they're going to let Motley Crue come we'll in and play. We'll get a green screen worked uh, out or something. I got I got in trouble. I, my mom and I went, and I'm like, can I get away with it? She's like, yeah, real quick. And I laid down on the floor in there, which is a big fucking no-no, just so I could look up yeah, at the Sistine Chapel. When they came up to talk to you, did you say, Oh, sorry. I realize this is a big fucking no-no. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's almost. Uh, I get. It. I went. I was just listening to McMars play guitar. Oh so. shit, guys! <laughs> my bad. I realize this is a big fucking my, no-no. My my bad. <laughs> I wasn't gonna shit on the floor or nothing. <laughs> uh, all right. One thing maybe people never have heard this story. Uh, depends on who you ask. It almost falls in the area of the Vince Neil. Did he get fired or did he quit? But uh, Mick Mars allegedly almost got fired. For, uh, for what? I haven't heard this. Uh, in 1984, uh, uh, of course, Motley Crue was rocking and rolling. Uh, they were out with Ozzy doing the whole thing. Right. You know, shout out to Devils right. Out. This yep. is prior to Theater of Pain. But it's at this point, supposedly, the crew was considering axing Mick Mars. Like, how could you do that? That, se- that seems, yeah, like uh, completely counterintuitive, especially as like, yeah, they're on the rise still at the yeah. time, right? Yeah. So Ozzy bassist Bob Daisley, um, he gave a firsthand account of the crew band meeting when the other members considered to uh, get rid of Mars while he the guitarist wasn't around. Um, Bob goes on to say what they were planning on doing was getting rid of Mick and getting another guitarist in. Uh, Daisy recalled he uh, they asked his opinion on it, and he said, well, if you want my opinion for what it's worth, I'd say don't try to fix something that's not broken. Right. And so different reports went around about this. Of course, according to Nikki Six, uh, he says it's completely made up, that this okay. isn't true okay. at all. But Daisy said uh, he went on to tell the guys, uh, you've got ki- chemistry there. you got a functioning unit. Mick is part of that. Don't fuck yeah. it up. That's my opinion. Just don't do it. So, of course, you know, Nikki Six has his opinion on it, but Jakey Lee, who played for Ozzy, said the rest of the band at one point wanted Mick out. He he says he confirms this is truth, that this really did occur. It could be one of those things where you got a bunch of guys in their 20s, maybe they reached a momentary level of frustration or something, and they say, ah, we just got to get rid of this guy. You know how guys in their 20s are? They're prone to making rash decisions, so... Maybe it was a very maybe it was very momentary, but maybe it really did happen. Uh, yeah, but let's let, let's let's fucking hope that that's all it was. I, I hope. Yeah, I'm yeah. hoping that it, it was one of those uh, booze, drug, and fill, fueled yeah, exactly. moments, and yeah. that because Mick wasn't always necessary. Not that he didn't have his problems with substances, because sure. we will get into that. And Mick got his fair share of tail as well. You just read the dirt book. He'll sure. he'll talk about I think there was one where he's sitting there talking about Tommy's nailing some chick from behind and he's getting blown by her over she's laying over the seat of a van or something. And the nineteen eighties, like, man. It's like, like fuck. What a time to be alive. Oh uh, yeah. It's just freaking banana stuff for sure. Uh, but thank goodness that the whether it's true or it's not true that it didn't occur. And I'm willing to bet if Nikki's uh, recount of it because he always comes across to me as a pretty straight shooter. Sure. Like uh, yeah, if yeah. people say something about him, he's gonna fire back or whatever the case. And may for be. what he's disclosed of himself, he has no real reason to, yeah. uh, to deny rumors. Like he's pretty honest about himself. So. Yeah. So how many of us have been shit housed and said some really stupid stuff? I've got like 20 hands. Oh up. no no no. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Our Me younger too. years, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, 
Another thing that uh, people may not know in addition, Mick Mars has had some mental health struggles as well. Uh, we will, of course, talk about his physical health, which was highlighted in the Dirt movie, the right. Dirt book, and everything else. But he's also been diagnosed with schizophrenia, which uh, you know is often characterized by delusions, hallucinations, mm-hmm. um, disorganized speech, trouble with thinking, and a lack of motivation. Uh, he struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts. Uh, you know, in the book, The Dirt, Mars uh, recounted a particularly harrowing experience. He was inebriated. He walked into the ocean in order to kill mm. himself, only to wake up a short time later uh, when he returned to the rest of the band. He wondered if it was a ghost, like that he ever even experienced it. Oh, so, wow. So he had a lot of those things. And, of course, you know, and that's a that's a self feeding cycle. I mean, yeah. like you know, you have a mental illness, and then a lot of times you're self medicating, yep. and and then it just becomes this vicious kind of vortex that yeah. sounds like you got caught in. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's that's tough. Which is in a weird way, this helped me um, for people that maybe this is your first time listening. I do another podcast called Knocking Doors Down on mental health and addiction because it's stuff that I personally right. went through. So I had the honor of speaking to a Charlie Sheen, a Kat Von D, a Bam Margera, all these things. Again, check it out there in the description. Um, you can click the link, listen wherever you get podcasts. But for me, when I read that in the dirt, it like, wow, my favorite guitar player struggled with these things too. Absolutely. He's up on stage, badass. Like I can be badass in life too, whatever yeah. that is, who and whatever I am. I, I mean, you know, he struggled to continue with the substance uh, abuse um, all the way up till 2012. Of course, a lot of it was happened in a marriage that he was in. And the dirt lays it out real good how um, Nikki, not the movie, but the book, where, you know, Mick had kind of really disappeared. Right. And he was taking a lot of opioids, pain pills, and different stuff and, and showed up and, like, he was living in, like, a dungeon. His wife at the time was, you know, pissing through his bank what, account. What time period is this? Early 2000s? This is about... It was about, I think, 2009, 2010. Yeah, because that's kind of when, that's what I was thinking around that, because that's when, really when we had first met each other. Yeah. And, and at the time, I even think we had some conversation like that, because like nobody, it was a weird, in that time frame, I remember like nobody really knew what Mick Mars was up yeah. to. It was a weird, weird, though you, with that, when you don't know, quote unquote, what right. someone's up to, especially in rock and roll, you assume there's some kind of, yeah. Some some kind of drug issue there, or a mental illness mental illness issue or both. Well, and of course, like you said, he I mean he was self medicating. The man was in so much pain yeah. from his disease, which we're gonna get into here in a minute. But um Mick is quoted as saying, Now I don't drink, I don't smoke, wow. I don't have any vices except playing my guitars too much, which hey, way to go. Have at it. Yes, <laughs> please, please do that. Yes. Yeah, well, and he's got a gorgeous young wife too, by the way. Which helps. Which helps. Uh and she actually seems like totally into the dude, which it's great to yeah. see because he went through some diff- some mm-hmm. crazy different stuff. Um, he's quote also as saying, uh, this is Mick, I-, I guess I'm kind of a boring guy these days, but that's how I'm going to keep going with Motley Crue as long as I can. And according to Mars, his playing's improved with soci- uh, sobriety. He says it's really yeah. helped. Um, he said, I'm still no gentleman. <laughs> quote unquote I'm still as big as an asshole as ever uh, but only the way that Mick could put well, it well you gotta have a little oomph behind you to be a really good guitar player too so that's okay you don't need to neuter yourself but it is good to be uh, I, I, I there's no doubt in my I think for a lot of us that have been fans of, of this kind of music for a long time 
any way, be it be it Mick Mars, be sure. it uh, Duff McKagan uh, from Guns N' Roses, Slash getting Slash. Started. They all I they all play. If you co- compare side by side videos of these guys from yeah. 87, 88 uh, compared to two thousand nineteen or whatever, I mean, it's if look you don't Nikki. think it's better, you're crazy. Yeah, look at Nikki. It's so much. It's right. It's just yeah. night and day, and you wonder, kind of, at least I do, looking at the comparison at this point. You're like. Damn, they kind of sucked back then. Like they, you know what I mean? They just were. Yeah. They had moments where maybe a song or two, a five minute song is good, but the whole shows often have like lags or kind of like rough songs sure. where everyone's just a little off towards the middle of the set or something. And you don't see that when they're sober. They are I sharp agree. all the way through. And I think that's why we ended up getting, you know, that, that long period that the whole band had in unison of sobriety with the brilliance of Dr. Feelgood. Yeah, yeah. And, and it showed through. Um, and of course, hey, if you, you're like me, you've struggled with substance abuse, mental health stuff, or you still are, you know, call call the National Helpline, 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. And, you know, you get, get the help. It's Absolutely. out there, man. I swear. Like, Dude, like my friends in my group meetings are like the best fucking people, and we're we're and we're nuttier than ever. People think, oh, I can't have fun anymore sober. I mean, just know. like the music, it's a, it's it's better yeah. without the the added kind of obfuscation of chemicals. Absolutely. Know. Well, Mick, of course, um, that terrible disease that he has, mm. you know, in addition to the substance abuse and mental health issues, uh, at the age of seventeen, he found out that he had the spinal d- disease, uh, ankle losing spongiitis I didn't know it was that early yeah wow. which um, it causes people like so it's it's a fusing of stuff not only in your spine but the rib bones mm-hmm. and everything else um, which Mick eventually once Nikki you know kind of went found out what was going on and they helped him get clean and off of any of the prescription meds was able to go in and get a hip surgery which, right. which it where it generates from and okay. that really helped him tremendously I mean unfortunately he'll always be in the state he is sure. now um, but he's still up there kicking ass. Mars goes on to say, uh, "I, you know, I'm able to keep touring. A lot of speculation around, you know, the the end of the road tour, the, right, the final right. cruise stuff was around his health. He says it's nothing, but the, that that wasn't the case at all. Uh, he says he has days that are worse than others, and there's mm-hmm. always an amount of pain in my hips. Uh, there are always good days and bad days, but it's more important, um, more of an inconvenience than anything else. He's like, oh, I wow. don't feel sick, so Great. it's good." to see that he's he's moved on with it and even done a little bit of advocacy concerning around it um he says there's one thing that is uh cool i ended up bent i can always see my guitar (laughs) that's you gotta look on the on the bright side of stuff yeah uh with this disease of course that um it's rare but he said that uh, he's lost a few inches of his height, mm. but he continues to have a positive attitude about it. Um, you know, he said it's like a chronic form of arthritis. You know, there is those pains, and he just encourages anybody, hey, early detection is the thing. There is now treatment for okay. it. And, you know, that's what really ended up saving his life. And it speaks to somebody, you know, we talk about Motley as this good time rock and roll band and they are but like that's a guy of some real substantive character there that's that's uh, going to put in his time over an extra decade from the rest of his bandmates endure a lifelong kind of degenerative disease uh, endure mental health problems endure substance abuse problems that's that's uh, quite the uh, quite the constitution to endure all that and come out 
most, I don't know about most, but a lot of people don't make it through all that or a lot of people yeah. would quit. Yep. Yep. I know. And it's just, it's great to have that opportunity again. I can't wait for this tour with Death yeah, Leopard that's to fantastic. go and see yeah. him and everything else. Um, Mick Mars, of course, uh, he's got three kids, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know about that, but he met his uh, first wife, Sharon Deal. Of course, he was born Robert Deal. Right. Uh, when he was just 19 and Sharon was only 16. Uh, the two would go on to have two children together, first a boy, named appropriately enough, Les Paul. Perfect. After the legendary car, a guitar maker, and of course, Stormy. You know, hey, there is a Motley Crue song. That there we go. Uh, Deal um, divorced Mars before Motley Crue, and she even had Mars thrown in jail for unpaid child support. Uh, Mar- another another very common he's hearkening back to his country heroes here because right. that is a very common uh, <laughs> trope in country music history we can run down the names of those oh my friend yeah, there's a lot there's a lot i mean he didn't marry his cousin no but you don't need to to have to pay alimony and they'll track you down <laughs> that's right uh of course mars would go on to marry uh emmy can uh canny who was one of the backup singers for motley crew which uh nikki was completely avidly against don't date any of the women that in the just, band. I mean, it, the, when does that policy... Okay, it has once... It, it has worked with Leonard Skinner, actually. Okay. Gary Rosington, who is their original guitar player, the only real remaining surviving original member of that sure. band, married uh, the the uh, backup singer that they hired uh, in the late 70s after their plane crash. So that that has worked, but that's right. the only time I've ever heard of it work cause, working because... Otherwise, that policy seems unbreakable. Oh, yeah. Take a look at Fleetwood Mac. They all fucked Does, each other. Uh, are, uh, uh, no doubt. <laughs> no uh, doubt, I mean, right? Like, uh, well, they got a good song out of that, though. That's true. That's least. true. You know what? It is pretty catchy. Even here yeah. on a QCast podcast, we got to, yeah. yes, it is a catchy song. We can give them some credit. Uh, but of course, uh, Mars and Emmy would go later on to divorce, but today married to Swiss model Serena Schokenberg. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. It'll work. We'll go with that. Oh, yeah. She's a gorgeous lady and, and seems like totally into it, which is Great. which is cool the way it should be. Um, and a lot of people make a big deal about the age gap. Who gives a shit? I have an age gap. Oh, go look at history, you bunch of prudes. Yeah, right. Uh, and that's like, yeah, t- okay, like once you're of legal age, right? We'll put that disclaimer on there. Yeah, yeah as long as you're 18, I don't, whatever. Yeah, now nah, that's good. Yeah, I don't know about that, but, you know, I mean, shit, look at uh, um, Mick Jagger. He's like, right. what, 70 something? His, his wife that he had a kid with, she's in her now in her late 20s. It's like, yes, okay. that's, that's, that's right, right. And it's like not advocating, but we're not condemning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, being a world famous rock star, of course, put a strain on Mick and his relationship with his children. Particularly true, uh, his third child, Eric Deal, keeps out of the spotlight, and his uh, biological mother, she's never said anything public mm-hmm. about it. Um, for her part, Stormy Deal also keeps a low pro- profile, but said uh, that she is uh, proud of her parents, and um, she also unfortunately inherited the same disease, the ankylosing oh, wow. uh, spondylitis, uh, from her father. Uh, Les Paul, though, is a musician, somewhat more visible profile. Um, Go figure. Yeah, he works for a Bowling Green, uh, Virginia radio station, 96.9 The Rock. As of this, I didn't confirm that uh, he was still a part of that or not. But he, he's uh, a DJ there? Or? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so pretty cool stuff, for Quite sure. pedigree. Yeah. Um, Mick Mars, of course, uh, you know, still remaining pretty active out there in addition to Motley Crue. 
did work with some bands, and I recently mm-hmm. put a playlist together. I was going through all these things, just ser- searched on my music uh, service feed. I'm not going to say who they are because they don't fucking pay us to. Um, but I mean, there were so many songs, many of them that I heard, and a lot that I hadn't. Uh, you know, he's worked with the likes of uh, Hinder, uh, Papa Roach, and so many other bands. Didn't he write a little with uh, an Evanescence member or something like that? I he, that may something have like happened. That. Yeah, as also well. as well. He, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's just so well respected that. Um, You're right. Uh, he did. He absolutely did. Just pulled it up. John okay. LeCompte uh, and uh, Rocky Gray, former members of uh, Evanescence. Evanescence. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he did stuff with them after they were out and, uh, Rocky, uh, said that, uh, to play with Motley Crue and Mick Mars and Nikki Six and Vince Neil, stuff like that, it's really, really cool to be able to have those experiences and do that. Play those songs that you, uh, love to listen to yeah. and with the people who wrote them. I mean, he's like, it's, it's like your childhood green, dream come yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree. I mean, it, I'd be up there like embarrassing myself playing. I mean, I could probably bang out you maybe on bass. Looks a kill. Maybe that's a probably about it. But I'd probably shit myself. If I me. if I had to play like Kickstart My Heart, I'd be sweating myself, man. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, you want to hear a cool ripping solo from Mick? Check out Hinder's 2008 "Take It to the Limit." Very cool stuff. The uh, lead singer, even right before the solo, says "Take It, Mick," and you know he just rips into this and killer. To song. our earlier point. That's while he's in the throes of some pretty uh, yeah uh, drastic problems, and he's still ripping off just yeah. uh, solos that we couldn't well, do on our best day. He finally got clean. When, when to go back to it was two thousand eight when he finally just like okay. everything was okay. done. So okay. he was still going through that process a little bit earlier. But uh, yeah, Papa Roach, Murder Dolls, Pop Evil, just a few of the names um, that we can throw out of people that he's worked with. So. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. An in-demand uh, guy. Yep. Uh, one of the uh, opinions that, uh, you know, I did the uh, episode, if you guys haven't listened yet, of Crew Cast Go Back, I did my least favorite to most favorite. <laughs> and I think the Motley Crew album with John Karabi is absolutely brilliant. The only reason I ranked it, I believe, as I recall, was number eight, was because, okay, no Vince Neil, it's hard to make the argument sure. Motley Crew album, but... Anyways, um, uh, I, I get that. I get that. Yeah, Mick Mars loved that album. He he says it's. Uh, he's quoted as saying, "You know, uh, everyone's got a wide album, and it was mine." He says, uh, "I thought that was probably to me, and I can only speak for me. I think was probably the best album we've ever done, uh, musical wow. wise. The songs uh, I felt were strong. I agree, Mick. Sure, sure. And just musically, to me, it was great. I guess my Beatles White Album, that's kind of how I feel about that one. Wow. I'm not saying that any of my other albums are crummy or anything like that. I love every album we did, but that one just has a special thing to me. Hmm. And I think it was the, the brilliance, you know, uh, of someone else that played guitar and other things sure. that allowed Mick to do that he didn't get to do before. And guitar players just listen to it a little differently than the rest of us. Like the, he, yeah. what they're hearing and they're listening to is just a little bit from yeah. a different vantage point than the rest of us civilians. Agreed. Well, I want to wrap this one up, Brandon. I hope this is going to happen soon. Where is the long-awaited, unreleased Mick Mars solo album? We got to have it. Yeah, with all the time Mick Mars spent playing with Motley Crue, he's he said several times, uh, everybody is saying that I'm doing a blues record. 
Uh, it will be a blues record per se, but it'll be more like how Edgar Winter inter- uh, mm-hmm. interprets the okay. blues. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it'll have a 70s kind of feel, but I will be writing in a uh, more current style of music. I want to mix those two styles together. Okay. Um, one of the musicians that was uh, collaborating with them was Jacob Burton. And he said, as of February 2020, the album was almost done. Um, okay. You know, so. that it was loud. It was what we'd want it to be aggressive. He, he, he goes on to say that Mars's album would be louder, will be louder than a jet engine. I'm not exaggerating. He runs through so many cabinets and heads, of yeah. course, uh, you know, guitar cabinets, heads, yeah, yeah, amplifiers, amplifiers um, and everything. It, it's insane, but his tone is just so incredible. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever heard and was such an honor to record with them. Well, of course, with the 2022 Stadium Tour coming out, it, it makes you wonder, like, is this ever going to happen? But a report came out on April 30th of this year. Oh, recently, okay. Yeah. Mick Mars guitarist Motley Crue, or Motley Crue, Mick Mars guitarist, his long-awaited solo album, New Details, continue to come out. Uh, Paul Taylor, who used to play for Winger, played keyboards and guitar, okay. said uh, he believes it'll arrive by the end of 2022. He says okay. it's absolutely amazing. Um, and what we've heard is that uh, John Crabby might have some stuff on it. Cool. We'll see. Corn drummer Ray uh, Lazier, oh. supposedly a part of it. Um, but we'll have to wait and well, see. We're going to see these guys' blues chops, really, in a way, too. Huh? That'd be cool. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see All what right. comes out of it. Looking but forward uh, to that. Yeah, there's a lot of different people discussing it, that this very could be out by the end of this year. Um, many people uh, that have listened to it, been a part of it, stated as heavy and versatile, which I think if you go listen to uh, Mick did a song, Bittersweet, which was off the, uh, I always fuck up this word, Quandry album. So it's when they got together with Karabi, everybody went and recorded their own song. Like Tommy did this very cool rhythmic thing. Nikki did this very dark punk thing. And Mick did this beautiful, beautiful, but heavy and aggressive blues song. Okay. And um, if you go listen to that and it's more like that, but maybe some vocals and stuff in there, or if it's instrumental, like, dude, I'm all in 100%. That's That's what I'm absolutely... Yeah, so anyways, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that that happens. Of course, those uh, Motley Crue tour dates, you know, the uh, tour with Def Leppard, Poison Jet. Is that Jet. North America and Europe? Uh, I believe it's just North America. North America okay. I'm sure as this goes, they'll, ex- they'll extend Europe and then South America if it's crew. We'll see. We'll have to see what comes out of it, man. But uh, looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this one of Crewcast. If you hear my excitements, because I do get excited about Molly Crew and especially Mick Absolutely. Mars is playing. So, Absolutely. Uh, Brandon from the All Night, uh, All Damn Night Podcast Network. How can they find you, my friend? Uh, AllDamnNight.com is the best place to find everything that we've got uh, all of our shows consolidated onto one platform but you can find the all damn night podcast on any of your favorite streaming platforms stitcher itunes all that good stuff spotify and uh you can find us on instagram at all damn night network and uh yeah that's pretty much all we've got but it's great and you should check it out all right my fellow crew head uh, crew heads are best fuck the rest